New Media Comedy Worldwide Studios. New Media Comedy Worldwide presents Comedy Legacy Series with Jim Mendrinos. And now, your host, Jim Mendrinos. Hello, everybody. Jim Mendrinos here. Welcome back to the Comedy Legacy Podcast. We have got a great show in store for you today. Um, this gentleman is kind of the everyman of comedy. The, the, a very blue-collar comic. I've had the pleasure of knowing him for over 35 years. We have worked some really great gigs together, and we have worked in the trenches together. And what you're going to find is this comic has a genuine love for comedy. This comic has a genuine love for being on stage. And more importantly, he just loves his audience. Um, you probably know him from his viral videos, but for the next hour or so, sit back, relax, and uh, let's get to know Mr. Vic DiBattetto. All right, so this one's going to be fun for me. Um, today's guest is somebody that I've known, literally I've known you since I'm like 20 years old. And we have worked some of the best gigs in the world together, uh, Montreal Comedy Fest and, and stuff like that. And yep. we've done some, uh, some really bad gigs together. So, you know, I want to bring in somebody who's just a master at reinventing himself and a master at staying relevant. Uh, Vic DiMatteo, Vic, thanks so much for joining us. I really thanks do for having it. me. And how come you didn't mention Pips? Oh, I don't. <laughs> you know what? Pips is that great line where it's it's not a bad gig, but it's not a good gig. Pips was the comedy boot camp. Yeah, it absolutely was the comedy boot camp. The only club in the country where the owner would heckle you repeatedly and if he didn't heckle you you knew you weren't coming back it was where the mobsters met the lobsters <laughs> oh man but you know it, it just you, you and i that is where we met and you and i stayed working there uh places like that tickles in brooklyn i don't know if you remember that oh one. my god wow <laughs> yeah talk, I mean, about, I, talk about characters yeah we, we just, you know, when we started, uh, there was a bowling alley in Staten Island we used to work together at all the time. Yeah. Yeah, it was, we took any gig, and we took any gig because we wanted to get better. You know, the 65 bucks of the hamburger wasn't bad back in the 80s and 90s either, but it was mostly to get better, you know. So I, wa I wanted to talk about that, first of all, because when you started, you had – a brutal day job. You 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 were you were driving. Uh, you, your gig was overnight, and then you would still, yeah, and you would still do stand up, you know. And after that, you were driving school buses, which were still overnight and doing stand up. Right. So you you had to be committed to getting stage time. Well, I drove my garbage truck one night to Dangerfield because my route was in. Midtown Manhattan, and I asked Tony Bavakwa, if I pick up your garbage, can you give me stage time tonight? And that's how it started. <laughs> I just I just picked it up for one night because if you start picking up other garbage companies' garbage, they don't they don't like that. Yeah. So I did my set. I had a great set. Went back in my truck. I'm honking the horn, and the audience is waving at me as I'm pulling up First Avenue. I mean, come on. Yeah, that's a great intro into comedy. Here's what I love most about what you do. You reinvent yourself. I mean, you, you know, when 
you started, you were in the clubs all the time, and then you got that little boost when you went to the Montreal Comedy Festival. And right. like everything in comedy, it's feast and famine, you know, hit, hit more lows. And then you come back again with the videos at a time when guys our age aren't doing online videos. What is it about you that makes you stay that creative and makes you always keep looking at what you do and finding better ways to do it? Well, first of all, you know, I'm 59 years old. You know, there was a point where I said to myself, I can't wait for the break anymore. I can't wait for somebody to give me a development deal. It wasn't, I went to Montreal in 1998. I was with me, Mitch Hedberg, uh, Monique, a couple other guys under Three Arts Entertainment. I thought that was it. That was going to be, but it went nowhere. Nothing happened. So fast forward, I, you know, I started headlining, doing the clubs, doing the road, and supplementing, like you said before, I always had two jobs to supplement my income because I couldn't make enough to support a family. Whether it's picking up garbage, driving a school truck, a dump truck, a cement truck. So along comes the internet, the, the social media. I made a video called Bread and Milk and about seven years ago. And it went viral. I didn't know it was gonna, I don't know what a viral video was, but I struck a nerve. It was 26 seconds of me walking from my house to the car, reenacting the paranoia that people go through during a snowstorm. And that video comes back every winter. It's like Christmas carols. That's the only viral video that keeps coming back. So I, bread and milk, but before that, I've been doing these videos since 2009. But I kept at it. I kept at it. I never gave up. You know, now I got a couple more viral videos. I just did one about message to the government. Yep. That one insane. The Newsweek and Time magazine interviewed me. I was on uh, Good Day New York. It was because I struck a nerve. It didn't take sides. It, it wasn't, it, people made it political, of course, but I didn't take sides. I was talking about the government, about the, the stimulus check, about the, the working man is always getting screwed. But meanwhile, the corporations and airlines and cruise lines are getting, and I, I built the following because, look, I don't mean to blow smoke up my own ass, but I got people telling me I'm like the, the modern day George Collin. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. First of all, don't even put me in Collins League. But I'm 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 striking a nerve and I'm being funny at the same time. You know, I'm like the working man's comedian, but people are insane. Oh, you're a libtard. Oh, you're a republican. I mean, I'm I never said who I voted for. I never mentioned politics. People make it political. I'm common sense. I'm getting all riled up already just talking about it. I'm common sense. I'm common fucking sense. Just be nice. Just treat people the way you want to be treated. That's all. I got a huge following. I'm selling out theaters and clubs. Then this pandemic came. Boom. Now I got no income coming in. I went from being on, on top of the world to now I'm doing this virtual re- comedy. I Do I like it? I'm not comfortable with it. There's nothing like a live audience, but I got no choice. So necessity is the mother of invention. You got to keep reinventing yourself because this pandemic, I I hate to say, is going to weed out a lot of the the comics. I feel bad for these guys. I really do. You know, you got to bring 12 people to a show. I'm thankful I passed that, but I'm still trying to forge ahead. You know, I'm lucky. I'm, I'm doing better than most, not as good as some. 
Yeah. Here's what I love most about what you do. And I've, I've always loved this from you and me and Richie Triola and car rides to Western New Jersey, straight through to, you know, when I worked with Jake Gotham the last time. You've always stayed true to your blue collar roots. You've always stayed true to, I'm going to talk about jobs. I'm going to talk about working. I'm going to talk about home ownership. I'm going to talk about family. You haven't, you know, strayed from that message. While, while you're not political, you definitely are of the zeitgeist of people like my dad and your dad and, and my cousins and our family, the guys that are working two jobs to pay all the bills and do all that. Right. <clears throat> were you ever tempted? Were you ever tempted to, to be more schmaltzy? Were you ever tempted to, to, you know, talk about the topics that the hipper comics were talking about? Or was it always about you talking about your truth? No, because if you don't have a if you don't have a passion for something, it just doesn't come out. You know, I I it comes from the soul. You know, I I can't look. I'm not a clever comic. I'm not a Seinfeld. I'm not. I just talk about me, my family, and what I'm going through. That's all. You know, I'm I'm not the. If you're looking for to smile, go see Seinfeld. If you're looking for belly laughs, come see me. But, you know, I don't think you give yourself enough credit because you say you're not clever, but I'm going to point to a bit that you've been doing forever, the heads bit, the mannequin heads. And that requires choreography, that requires mime work, that requires a lot of intricate physical comedy work that at first blush you wouldn't think you would do, but yet you did it, and it's, it's brutally funny. It's amazing, you know. What was the impetus for that, and, and how did that help you? Because I know that was your, your closer for a long time. Yes. I found – we used to pick up Macy's, okay, and I, we threw out some mannequin heads. And I would have fun on, on the garbage route. I would put the mannequin legs under the truck. Oh, my God. Somebody got, you know, been pulled the legs out. We had fun. You do that today, forget it. But anyway, I had two heads. And I brought him home. There was, there was a male head and a female head. I brought him home. I had him in my room. And I'm looking at these things. And I, I love Herb, Herb Alpert. I know. When's the last yeah. time you heard anybody say they love Herb Alpert? Anyway, <laughs> my father had all his albums. And he was listening to this song called May, M-A-E. The lady's name, not the month. May, M-A-E. And I'm looking at the heads. And I'm here. I got the head and I went in front of a mirror and I just reenacted a, a blowjob. The thing about that, you can't get offended. It's just two mannequin heads. That's all you see. The left is, the, the rest is left to your imagination. You know, he looks at her, she, he, she says no, then she goes down on him and with the music, you, you're right. You know, that's the only bit that I've been doing since I started doing comedy that I still do, even though I haven't been doing it lately, but I'm bringing it back into my act now because there is, you know what it's like. You think about all these bits you have in the past. I'm like, wow, that was really funny shit. Now I got newcomers that have never seen this before. So I'm starting to put it back in the, I have 1.8 million fans in a social media. So I could do the stuff that I did 30 years ago. To them, it's new, you know? I'm getting, my audiences, I have 14-year-olds to 80-year-olds in my audience. I have black, white, I have gay, my son, I'm a proud father of a proud, of a gay son. 
I have parents coming up to me and say thanking thanking me how they how I speak about my gay son. I have gay kids coming up to me thanking me that I made them come out. It's just it's so gratifying, man. You know, look, going back to the political thing, which I hate to do, but I just want to prove to these stupid people that don't know what they're talking about. I own two legal firearms, and I'm a proud father of, of a gay son. So where does that put me? You know, I, I just, I'm common sense. You know, just, just fucking live and let live. Be nice to people. Just fucking live and let live. Now they unfriend you if they disagree with you. Yeah. What is that all about? Because you're you're a liberal and you're a Republican. I'm, you're not my friend anymore. What the fuck is going on in this country, man? It's, uh, it's so sad what's going on. I and mean, we need we need comedy now more than ever. Oh yeah. Oh, post pandemic, we need to laugh hardy. That is for sure. You know, it, it's one of the things that I love most about watching you is when you when you're talking about your son, when you're talking you know, uh, uh, about gay or gay issues, or you're talking about, you know, sometimes when you touch on stuff that's socially conscious, because you've got such that blue collar looking white guy in his fifties, everyone's expecting you to have one bent and then you take him by surprise and, and you have fun with them. You seem to enjoy playing with them too, especially in the bits you do about your son. You, you really seem to enjoy like the, you know, the audience is thinking you're going to go the other way. Yep. And yet you're playing with it. How much do you keep their preconceived notions of you in mind when you're writing the bit? Uh, you know what, Jim? I really, I'm starting to, uh, I, I just don't care. I'm just, I'm. look, if you don't like me, what can I tell you? I'm not going to please everybody. I did, a, I did a video about the, 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 uh, the protesters. You know, I did, I, I did it. I, so many people unfriended me because, like, they were shocked that oh, this this guy. Look, what's been going on with African Americans the past four hundred years is, is is a shame. I said, you know, I believe in protesting, but not looting. That's all I said. And forget it. Oh, fuck you. Oh, you you're pandering. I'm not pandering. These are facts. Go to Google and and know your facts. You know. Look, my I tell I tell people who think that they, they they suspect their kids might be gay. Would you rather them come out of the closet or hang themselves in the closet? That wakes them. You could actually hear the gasp in the audience, like they can't. Wow, holy shit! So they did. So they're going for this to this guy who they were rooting for, and is in their corner. To holy shit! You know what? He's right. You know, it, look. I'm just doing what I can do, man. You, you, I got my audience. You like me, you like me. You want to friend me, fine. You know, it's just a shame. Could you imagine George Collin on the social media? There's, oh. there's more than 730 words. How dare you? Uh, uh, I don't think you're... Oh, Richard Pryor, you're a racist. Just shut the fuck up, man. Don't, don't tell me what to do and what not to do. You don't tell actors in Broadway what to sing. And give me a shout out. I'm not giving you a shout out. The show's about the man on stage, not you. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you can remember this, but you and I did a gig in Western Pennsylvania. And, and what people also got to know about you is that you're also one of the nicest guys out there. When, back when I lived in the city and I didn't have a car, every time we worked together, you would always call me up and ask if I needed a lift. You know what I mean? You, you always checked on your, your fellow comics, which is... You know, 
remembered you know, all these years later and, and important. But we worked a gig in Western Pennsylvania, I think it was Western New Jersey or Eastern Pennsylvania. And I was auditioning for a booker and it was a booker you worked for already. And at the end of the gig, I didn't do that well. He didn't want to use me. And I'm coming back and, and I'm bummed. And you know that feeling in the car ride back when you, when you know you're not going to get the gigs. How miserable you're feeling. And you just turned to me and you went, fuck it, find someone else who wants to use you. Yeah. It was the best advice I had ever gotten, you know, and, and have you always had that mentality? Like if somebody didn't want to use you, fuck it, it's their loss. Somebody else will. Exactly. It's their loss. It's their loss. Not, you, you know, look, Jim, under the, under the screaming and the spitting and, and the veins popping and the cursing, I'm a, I'm a regular, I'm a, I'm a mush. I'm a softy. I really am. I love. Just be nice to me, and I'm even nicer to you. But don't don't fuck me, man. You know it's who who was that booker? You remember his name, or you can't mention it? I think it was Paul Solari. Like you way not, back, I want to get in the car and go meet him right now. That's <laughs> look. Everything happens for a reason. Yeah. Not one not one person is going to make your career. You know, yeah. I never give up. Never surrender. You know. You know what it's like. You're from you're old school like me. I, yeah. I grew up in Brooklyn, you know, and being from Brooklyn back then, it's it, it, you. It's something you can't learn. Street smarts. It's something you can't learn or go to college for, and it, it toughens you. It hardens you. I, I'm thick skinned but I'm not gonna lie to you. When I get a negative comment, it hurts. It really hurts when I get because people are stupid. They don't think before they write something negative. Just do your homework, man. Just know your facts before you state something ignorant about me. I hate that because that's how rumors spread, you know? Yeah. And I, I very much dislike the anonymity of the internet. You know, somebody with a screen name like, you know, Bob 5000 writes shit about you. you yeah. Know, like, I grew up old school. Like, sign your name. If I'm going to tell you I don't like you, I'm going to do a face to face. I'm going to sign my name to it. But exactly. that's gone. You meet know meet I mean? me outside. None of, none of this Zoom bullshit with your password. Just meet me outside at 10 o'clock. <laughs> Please. Jim, the, the world that we grew up is no more. It's a different world now, man. It's a different world. But what are you going to do? You got to go with the flow. If you would have told me back in the 70s that I'd be smoking pot with my daughter and I had a gay son, I would tell you, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> but you know what? It's pretty cool. That was a great bonding moment, getting high with my daughter. I loved it. Yeah. yeah you know what? I'm, I'm looking forward to when that happens for me. Uh, let's, <laughs> let's just talk a, a little bit, a little bit about, you made one of the scariest jumps I'd ever seen when this last time when you decided to quit, quit driving. This is the first time in your life when you're just, just doing comedy full time. And your wife actually was working with you. It was a, a family yep. business you had to give yep. up. No, what? no, 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 no. No, you're getting confused. The garbage business was family business. Okay. But me and my wife, we worked on the school bus together. Okay. She was the matron, correct? Right. And, and so when you decided to stop driving, that meant you were both, you know, at least temporarily unemployed until she could find a, right. another driver to work with. How scary was it for you to make that transition? Because again, you know, when I made the transition into full-time comic and saying I'm going to do nothing but comedy, I was all at 23. 
So I'm, I'm a fucking jackass who doesn't know that you're going to have bills someday that you got to pay. But you, you, you did it, you know, in your fifties, you did it when, you know, you're looking and going, okay. And, and I'm 20 years from retirement too. Yep. My you know? kids called us from Scotland and were yelling at us. What are you doing? We, we were, let, let me explain the whole story. First of all, about five years ago, that's when everything started really coming together in my career. The bread and milk went viral. Kevin James called me out of nowhere to be in Mall Cop 2. Uh, I got a manager. His name is Russell Best. I know him since 1996 when I did warm-up. He, he was producing a TV show. I, I did a warm-up for his called Forgive or Forget. I don't know if you remember that show. Oh, yeah, I do. With Mother Love, she was the, uh, the host. Yep. And we lost touch. Me and Russell, he moved to North Carolina. I moved to Florida. We lost touch. We reconnected on, on Facebook. Um... He sat me down, he says, because I asked him a million times, Russ, can you manage me? Can you help me out? Because nobody's doing, no one, no one wants to help me. First, you he says, Vic, what am I? I'm a TV producer. I, another year passes, out of the blue, he says, Vic, you know what? I'm watching what you're doing on Facebook. The, the content, the videos you're putting out, nobody's doing what you're doing. I'm going to take a shot. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm going to try to help you. Fast forward. Now he's calling bananas and Uncle Vinny's and governors. He doubled and tripled my money. And he says, you don't have to drive a school bus anymore. You and you, he sat us down and he worked it out on paper. He says, let me just hand over the calendar. Let me take care of it. And we, me and my wife, we went to bed that night. And we went to sign at, at the office to, that we were uh, resigning. We were looking at each other like, what the fuck did we just do? But you know what? You got to sacrifice. That's what it's about. You got to sac. Like you said, I was in my fifties. That's why Rodney is such an inspiration. He didn't make a movie. He didn't, he didn't make it till his late fifties. So that's why you know, as fucked up as it is right now, the American dream is still alive in this country. I truly believe that. Yeah. Now, you did active Mogam too. I actually got to direct you for a pilot that we did. Uh, you know that we're still trying to sell that damn pilot. Do you, do you like the acting? Is that fun for you? I love it. I would really love to do more. And, you know, once again, I'm not blowing smoke up my ass, but I'm, 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 me and my manager, we say, how come no TV executive or movie, even if you think I'm half talented, just my following alone, that translates to ticket sales and, you know, Give me, I don't got to be the main star. Give me the, the, the uncle, the angry uncle, the angry, angry father in a sitcom. My, that would equate to views on the Nelson ratings because for the following, I, I have the most loyal and supportive fans. You, you can't imagine. It's just, I miss them so much. I hope this shit goes back to normal. Yeah, well, I, I don't know where you're uh, quarantining, but in New Jersey, we got another month of it. Yeah. So. Didn't yeah. he say July, uh, June 15th? June 15th, they're going to try to, to go to the next phase, but he also announced yesterday, and full disclosure, because we're not going to air this uh, right. until the September, we're recording in the uh, beginning of June. So uh, yesterday, Governor Murphy just said uh, it's going to be about another month before it goes back to normal. Yeah. Are you wow. uh, are you in Jersey? Yeah, I'm in Manalapan. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, we're... 
I'm up. Uh, I'm up in Fairlawn. Okay. Yeah. So aye, aye, aye. this is uh, this is not good. This is not good. And you know, I got to keep on top of that stuff in the studio. Going through a pandemic. <laughs> Unbelievable. You know, I sat down the other day and I was going through the 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 shit that I've kind of lived through that I have vivid memories of, like. New York City, the blackout in 77, I'm sure you were there. Yeah. You know, um, I, I was living in the village during the Tompkins Square riots in the 80s. You know, the, the other blackout we had in 2000s, 9-11. Now 9/11. this is, I, I kind of want the simplicity of my parents' life. You know, all they were worried about was raising three kids. You know, I, I'd trade that for no pandemic. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Now, it's scary. I, this is worse than 9-11. How fucked up is that? Oh, yeah. Both in body count and in impact. Wow. It really is amazing. Let's um, let's talk a little bit about this, because I, I talk to a lot of young comics, and a lot of the younger comics are afraid that comedy's not going to come back because, because of the pandemic. You and I lived through, in the 80s, the AIDS epidemic, and then the clubs got you know, half full because everyone was worried about it. Oh, I might catch it. They came back. Post 9-11, the clubs came back. You know, it's a really cyclical thing. Do you think the clubs are coming back? And and how soon do you think they're going to come back? I think they'll come back eventually. Uh, I don't, I think we got another, till the vaccine is found at least. See, this is different. This is different because now you're worried about People sitting next to you laughing and their spit goes in your drink. I mean, look at me on stage. You know how many times I see spit go into somebody's drink? So what do they what do they have? The plexiglass on the stage? That I could see. But what yeah. about what about the, the, the customers? They're gonna have to it's gonna be half capacity at first. That's the only thing I could think of. But you no way is it ever gonna go away. People wanna laugh, man. People between that and having cabin fever and just wanting to get out and be entertained and go to a restaurant, I think it's, it's going to come back, but very, very slowly. And guys like me and you, we're going to be okay. I, like I said before, I feel sorry for these guys that are just coming up with the bringer shows. I mean, because clubs are going to book guys who are, are a draw and who have a name yeah. and have the experience. You know, they're not going to... It, it's scary, man. That that that's what clubs are still going to be open. Who the hell knows who's going to go out of business? That then that's another thing. People yeah. are laying off. People are losing jobs. Who's going to have the money? There's so many different things to think about. But eventually, you know, I mean, I'm shocked by the. I don't know if it's fake news or whatever, but they say the economy is picking up a little bit. But I, I'll. I don't know, man. I, it's it's going to come back when. I don't know. That, that's the $68,000 question. Yeah. Well, whoever finds out first, we'll call the other guy and tell him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I want to talk about this because you have always been one of my favorite nightclub comics. You use the room. When I worked with you in places like Governor's, I worked with you at some horrible little one-nighters. You, you talk into the crowd. You're, you're very participatory. Now you work in theaters. Now you work in bigger venues. Has it been an adjustment to how you perform? Yes, because theaters, first of all, theaters, all you see is that front row. The lights are in your eyes and the rest is black. 
There's very little, um, you can't, very little improv with the audience. But on the flip side, when you hear 1,600 people laughing and you got to step back and actually wait to do your next bit, it's, it's no greater feeling. But then again, on the other side, I love doing the clubs also because of that intimacy. You know? Yep. They're both great. But, you know, the theaters have obviously pay more because there's more people. Yeah. You know, but when I go back, I think I'm not going to see the theaters for a while. I'm going to be back in the clubs. Not back, you know, the clubs that I've still been, anyway, Governors, Uncle Vinny's, uh, Bananas, all those clubs. The bigger clubs, you know, yeah. Because even if I have to do half half a capacity show, one one show for, for four nights instead of a theater, one show, you know, two shows a month. I don't mind. Believe me, I, I can't wait to get my I can't wait to get dressed and put on a pair of jeans again and cologne. I can't wait to get stuck in traffic. I swear to God, Jim, I'm not kidding. I can't wait to drive three hours to a gig and come home the same night. Yeah, we uh, we bitched a lot about the traveling over the years, and now every comic I know is they're like, I just want to get in my car and go someplace. Yep. <laughs> I actually got a show, believe it or not, July uh, June twentieth, uh, comedy shop in uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, uh, Jim Thorpe, Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania. Two shows in one night. I don't care. I'll do five shows in one night. It's yeah. two hour drive, and I'm not staying in a hotel because of the coronavirus. I'm getting my car and drive home. I'm used to being up at night. I was a garbage man. I worked the graveyard shift. Piece of cake. <laughs> Plus, I take care of myself. I exercise. My diet could be a little better. You know, our good, our good dear friend, Jeff Parami, may he rest yeah. in peace. I always told Jeff, Jeff, man, you got to take care of yourself. But, but you know, what are you going to do? It is what it is. And uh. Jeff, Jeff was a big loss, you know, and... and I don't know if you're ready to talk about this because it happened earlier this week. Jeff was a big loss to me because of how much he loved comedy. You can say what you want about Jeff, but there's plenty of comics who would talk shit about him behind his back. Like, oh, he's not the most original pro. F fuck that. This man loved being on stage. Oh. This man loved the audience. Yep. <clears throat> and always upbeat, positive, happy, smiling. Never, no, I don't think any had been about him to say, you know, which yeah. is rare because there's a handful of comics, you know, that have a reputation, but, you know, yeah. there, there are good ones also. But what I love most about him was he was also genuinely happy when you got something, as opposed yeah. to that the, the comic thing, you get something, they go, how'd you get that? You know, yeah. he was, when he found out I had a TV show that was airing Living in Exile, he actually called me out, but he went, I watched it, it's fun. Congratulations. Not how did you get it? Not can I get a spot? Can you talk to the producer? He was genuinely happy. The first night I got my own show at the Borgata at the Music Box. Because mm -hmm. he does the burlesque. He used to do the burlesque shows yeah. every Thursday. I get a note from my manager. It's, it's from Jeff Parami. And you know that, that figure he draws of himself, that yeah. face, the caricature? Says, hey, buddy, good luck tonight. Love you. Knock them dead. I mean, come on, man. Yeah. Who does that? Well, there's a few people. There's been a few people over the years that, that we cleave on to. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're running buddies. The guys you start with and, and you're there. Um, 
Who and it's it? funny you said that before about, you know, how some comics despise you and are jealous of you. Because when I started getting heat about five years ago, there were some guys, man, that really, I don't want to mention names, really shocked me. You know, I don't know who said it. Some celebrity once said it. It's not the celebrity that changes. It's the people around them that change. It's really interesting. Yeah. When you start going up the ladder, it's really interesting. There's... There's a culture, and I think this comes from, you know, not having a lot, you know, in the early stages of your career. You know, when you're getting those gigs and you have to fight for those $65 plus a burger gigs that we were talking about earlier. And and you finally see somebody getting something and you think it's not going to be there for you, that you're not going to get a turn. And and I keep telling comics, there are, there are years where I made tremendous bank and there are years where I'm, I'm scrounging for gigs. That's just the business we enter, you know, and they got to They got to just run their own friggin' race. But I don't think a lot of comics see that. And yeah, you did get an awful lot of shit when you first started breaking, you know, I, I would hear comics all the time going, you know, what he do to deserve it. And they're like 35 years in the fucking trenches. 300 gigs a year for how many years? Uh, Jim, I was getting crucified by a couple of guys. And you know what the sad part is? A lot of my other friends who were friends with them, nobody had my back. Nobody stood up for me. But you know what? That's okay. It makes you stronger. It makes you... And I, I never engaged. I forged ahead. So it's like Sinatra said, success is the best revenge. Yeah. You know... There's always going to be people that judge because this material, this comics material isn't this or isn't that. You know, they're, they're looking at a guy like you and they're going, oh, blue color material. He, do, he doesn't work so hard to write it. He'll only, he'll only uh, do good in New York and New Jersey. How, yeah. can he, how can he be funny in the Midwest? Yeah. It's the same material he's been doing for 35 years. Why must he curse? Oh, please. Please. I've I, heard it all. I got to address this one because I've known you for 35 years and I've worked with you. I work with you way more frequently than I think. I looked over my, my diaries and there hasn't been a year where I haven't worked with you in my entire standup career. At some point, I'm always on a show with you. And your act changes. You do new material all the time. Thank you. you write a fucking ton, you know, but you don't get credit for it. And I think you don't get credit for it because, because it's so intrinsic to who you are. You're one of those comics that makes it look like you're just talking. So no, everyone assumes you're not writing. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely, Jim. I'm wondering, I, see, I've never, ever, ever wrote. Everything is up here. I think about it and I go for it on stage. If it works, it works. It doesn't, it doesn't. Or I just milk what I already have. But like you said, you know, you know what it is? What's that expression? The first in, impression is the, the first impression is the lasting impression. So yeah. somebody, if somebody sees you 30 years ago, they don't, don't they comprehend that that was 30 years ago? Have you seen me lately? It's just it, the videos that that's a, not a videos, the content that I put out each day. It's just. I have 8,000 videos since 2009. I have a library of videos, and they're all different. You know, they, I got characters. I do Tony Gaga. I do the old man, that guy. I, I do Ticked Off Vic. I, I got my 
my cat, Eddie, my people. I bring people into my life. People love my mother-in-law. They, they think they remind them of their grandmothers. You know, I got my yeah. mother-in-law videos. It's, it's, it's just, oh, people are so stupid, man. It's not only, it's not jealousy. It's just, they're so stupid. Yeah. It's common stupidity has taken over common sense in this country. When I see, when I like, when I watch the Bachelor of Scalco, I take my hat off to that guy. I hear people, oh, he's another dice. Oh, he, the fucking guy sold out Madison Square Garden. How many shows in a row? He's clean. He's good looking. His movements. I take my hat off. He's Italian. So in a way, that gives me inspiration, you know? Yep. There's always a piece of the pie for everybody. I did a video in my backyard. Somebody writes on YouTube, oh, look at this. Let, look at my pool. Look at my my beautiful house. Dude, I worked two jobs since 1978. You can have it too instead of being a miserable fuck. When I see successful people, it inspires me. I don't get jealous of them. Good for them, man. They worked for it. Good for them. Let's, you touched on something that amazed me. You don't write stuff down? You, you never did. Stories. Never, ever, ever. Isn't that sick? That's fucked up. I know. I never, I can't. I just, I can't. I just, when I get a pen and paper, I'm, I'm blank. I can't do it. But yeah. I'm not I, saying that's the right or wrong way. I mean, you know, I become. That works for you. There is no right or wrong way. That's right. what works for you. But how do you remember all the material? Or does it just go away and come back when it comes back? Look, like like my wife always says, I can remember the whole dialogue to Goodfellas, but ask, ask me to get something in the closet, I have no idea where I put it. I don't know. I got I remember certain things, certain you know, it's just it's just all up here. I don't even record myself, which I should do. You know, I can't watch videos, I can't watch my stand-up film of me on I hate it. I but my videos, I could watch over and over. That's another thing. I, I'll never, I can't watch my stand-up. I, I, I'm like, I cringe. It's weird. Do you, do you just see your faults or do you just not like the video? Because when I watch my videos, I'm seeing all the shit I did wrong. Oh, yeah, all the time. You say, ah, shit, I should have said that there. I should have did this. Yeah, we're our own, own worst critics. Come on. If yeah. we can... We could get a standing ovation from 500 people. The one guy sitting like this will irk the shit out of us for a month. How come he didn't stand up? We're, we're fucked up in our own mind. We really are. Meanwhile, the guy's probably wheeling out in a wheelchair. He can't stand up. <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk about the videos. Because I, I know that, I know that uh, you know, got to get the bread and milk is the one that puts you on the map. To me, my favorite video of yours is the coffee video. Ah. Uh, you know, I absolutely love that. And it's the simplest video. It is, it is just so basic, you know. And, and let's – how do you get the idea for the videos? Well, I get the ideas. Some of them are premeditated, but some of them just – not a coffee video. My wife was making coffee, and it brought me back when I was a kid. I'm sure the Greek family was the same thing to the Italian family. Every time it was time for coffee, it was like a big fucking production. My mother, who wants coffee? What do you want, black or brown? Demi-tash? 
I'm making espresso. Does anybody want coffee? So I just took it to the next level. I'm walking around. I did like four videos. I did one where I went into a store and the guys follow me. That was on ridiculousness. That was on right this minute. It was on, because it hit a nerve. Because people related to, here, i got a barberware pot still with the extension cord. I'm out in the middle of a field in New Jersey yelling, who wants coffee? Fast forward, a coffee company, a coffee company, Calls my manager and said we would like to have Vic to have his own coffee line. Now I got my own coffee line. It's amazing. It's crazy. You can't. I never planned for this shit. No, but that video to me, <clears throat> what I loved most about it is it's one emotion. It, it's one emotion that you just took to the nth degree. <laughs> and, and, and when you boil down your videos. You have some that are really complex, like the video you did, you know, the common sense note to the government that you did, uh, I think it's back a month and a half ago. That's very complex. You're talking about socioeconomic things. You're talking about how to help workers. There's a lot to that. But so many of your videos are that one key thought that somebody had that you're just you're just going to the impact of that. You're going as far. Bread and, bread and milk is the same thing. It's literally the panic of the first snowfall. And, and you just go take that to the nth degree. What is it about that style of comedy? Because nobody's doing that. Everyone's looking to put 25 twists and turns. They want to make things complex. You've boiled things down to the simplest element. What about that makes it interesting for you to write? Well, because I'm old school. I'm a, so you look at some of my videos, they're, they're very Monty Python-esque. There's farce. I love farce. You don't see that anymore. You know, people take... Um, I did one with it. I have a tree in front of my house with a big hole in it. And I put a wig over it. And I'm with the Clippers. And Russell was there. He says, what are you doing? So it, it, what kind of tree is that? It's a pussy willow. I mean, it's simple comedy you don't see that anymore i grew up with three stooges red skelton abbott costello jackie gleason the honeymoon i mean the the message to the government now that one i gotta be honest with you me and russell we we, we wrote that together you know that was very informative i mean we we act that i didn't just wing that off the cuff that was actually we went back and that was for, for a week because russell is very up with this and we're like Elton John and 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 uh, Bernie Taupin of comedy. You know he writes a lot of stuff, and I do it, and it's just it's amazing. That guy gets very little credit. Bread and milk, however, that that one, I my wife didn't want to cook that night. I open it, I I go get pizza. I open the door, I saw a snowflake, and it just hit me. I'm like, oh boy, here we go. All the idiots now they're gonna think it's the, the apocalypse. I whip out my phone. 26 seconds, that thing was. 26 seconds from my house to the car got me more recognition in 30 years of stand-up. And another thing about the videos, people don't realize, I'm holding the camera. Yeah. They don't, they, they think there's a fucking camera guy. I'm doing it all. I'm writing, producing, direct, I'm Corey, I'm, you don't see my arm. That's pretty hard to do when, you, when you're going crazy and, you know, it's, and, and when they don't notice that, that's how good it is because they think I got a fucking camera guy following me. I also love that there's a little bit of candid camera in some of your videos. The one you did at Walmart, um, 
the people in the background looking over, like, what the hell is he doing? Is priceless. This is a Walmart Which video. Which uh, one? Uh, the most recent one, I think. The one in that's Walmart? first on your website. You did a video at Walmart, or it might have been some other store. I might be thinking it's Walmart, but you did a video in a store, and the people in the background of the store are staring at you. And I just, to me, not only was what you were saying was funny, but the reactions of other people around were funny as they were trying to piece together what the hell was happening. You, you're you doing everything guerrilla style. You're doing everything. You're right. doing all the technical stuff. You're, you're going to places, not always getting permits, you know, right. just having fun. I'm sure you ask the owners before you do it because. Oh, yeah, of course. But you're, you're doing everything so the possibility for interruption, the possibility for shenanigans, you know, by people, it's all there. And yet you're getting these amazing videos, these really fun videos that are coming out. Are there, like, if someone wanted to, to get to know you and what you're doing video-wise, what would be the three or four videos you would want them to watch? Oh, man. Uh, obviously, Bread and Milk, um, the coffee one. Uh, definitely a, the, the message to the government. And uh, one with my mother-in-law when I'm just in the backyard I'm making peppers and eggs. It, it was so, you felt like you were there with, you know, my, with my family. And you could actually smell the peppers and eggs. It was just so natural. But there's so many. I, they, they, I have over 8,000. It's know. crazy. I've been doing this since 2009. I started with a webcam on my computer. If you look at the old ones, they, they pixelate. I even added another a Facebook page. I have two pages now. The other page is for all my classic videos. Wow. It's really been an amazing... Uh, it's fun. I have fun doing it. You know, because you can look at it. You know, there's no there's no audience. You can look at it and edit it and add some stuff. But it, it's been... I'm just riding the wave, man. You know, I'm a lucky guy. I can't complain. We'll see how this whole pandemic pans out, you know. I think I'll be all right. We'll be all right. Yeah. You got to think positive, man. You can't, because this negativity and people, so many people message me that they say, my videos get them to their depressions. I had a fucking soldier in Afghanistan said that he had a gun in his mouth and he's played one of my, I don't know why he played the videos while he had a gun in his mouth. Maybe it happened to be on. But he said, it, I saved him from blowing his brains out. I mean, come on. I go from, here, here's what it's like being me. Typical day. I go from a message like that to, fuck you, you scumbag, white ass. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. It's, it's crazy. It's, 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 it's really interesting. It really is. People are amazing. Now, yet, even with all the, the negative stuff you get, you haven't changed message. You haven't changed brand. You're staying true to what you're doing. What do you want to do? Like, you're nowhere near done. You're going to be doing this for the next 20, 30 years. What are the things, what are the goals that you want to get to moving forward? Oh, man. You know, I would just, you know what I would really love? The ultimate. Just a little role. Look at Susie Essman and J.P. Smoove. Just a little role in a great, a TV show. That's all. I don't need to be the main guy. Just give me a little role for the next five years, you know, get the royalties, and then when they replay a little, not even so much a sitcom. I don't know. 
just definitely acting. I don't know, a movie, you know, Bread of Milk, I mean, uh, Mall Cop 2 was a great experience. I thought that was going to, you know, that was a gift from nowhere. That was a great experience. Kevin James was phenomenal to me, but uh, definitely acting. But the stand-up, I will never stop doing. Look at Rickles. He did it till he was, what, 90? He was in a wheelchair. Yeah. I will never stop doing stand-up as long as the audience, as long as my fans come out to see me. And they're definitely going to keep coming out to see you. Uh, just a couple of more quick things before we I let you go because you've been really generous with your time. When I started, there were a whole lot of comics that I looked at and, and I saw. For instance, I saw Freddie Prinze on The Tonight Show, and that was the moment I was like, I want to be a stand-up. Who are the guys that inspired you to try this? Oh, Hands down, George Carlin. George Carlin, Richard Pryor, uh, but George Carlin. Steve Martin, when he came up with that out with the white suit and the arrow through the head, and I'm like, wow, that's... But George, I had all of George Carlin's albums. I mean, he was, to me, not only hilarious, he was a genius. And I just got a message from George Carlin's daughter, a private message. I, this blew my mind. I'm like, are you kidding me? She said, if my father was alive today, he would love to see what you were doing. I'm like, oh, my God. Wow. But, yeah, George Carlin. As far as the guys today, um, I like Bill Burr. I like uh, Sebastian. I like Kevin Hart. No, I like, uh, but I don't really listen to much comedy. You know, it's like a guy that works at a pizzeria. The last thing he wants to eat is pizza. I don't you know what I'm saying? I, I get it. But, uh, I just, I try to focus on me. I don't try to get into all the negativity. I, I just surround myself. I keep my circle small. You know, the smaller the circle, the less drama. I worry about my wife, my kids, my manager, and good guys like you, man. This is, this is so nice what you're doing, Jim. Oh, thank you. It's so nice that you came on. There's a whole lot of comics that can get to learn from you, and that's important. You, you and I also have that same thing. We keep our circle small. You know, I know every comic, but the ones that I call friends is a much smaller list. You know, I don't know how it was for you when you started out because I think I started out more in the city and you started out more on the road. But I had a group of comics that looked at, out for me, like saw me and just took care of me. Didn't ask them to, they just did. You know, people like Barry Berry looking out for me, people... Like Sam Kennison, who wow. me aside and, and told me a couple of things. Wow. Who are the guys that, when you started, looked out for you? Like the old guard, they put, kind of put you under their wing. Oh, John Mulroney. Uh, Richard Jenny. Yeah. Boy, do I miss him. Yeah. Wow. That he, was, there was a guy. What a genius. Clean. I would kill for the bits that he probably threw in the garbage bag. The part of this sucks. I would, I would, I would kill for those. I would do those. Uh, Richie Triolo. Yeah. I guess Otto and George. I mean, George, not Otto, not George. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a pair. You, know, you can't separate Without a doubt. Yeah. But uh, yeah. nobody now, you know, unless... Since I've been getting heat, the circle got smaller and smaller. Just, just word of advice. Just be careful, Jim. Just be careful and be smart. Yeah, well, that's, that's what we got to do. 
So where can people find you? I know you're all over, but where do you want them to look for you? Uh, well, first of the easiest thing, worst case scenario, if you can't figure out how to spell my last name for my website, just Google me. All you got once you type in Vic D, I'm right at the top before Vic Damone. <laughs> but VicDiBatetto.net. Mm -hmm. Um, my Facebook page. I got an album out now that's on uh, iTunes. It's 18 on the charts. It's going since that uh, message to the government. It's going up and up, and, and it's uh, it's on iTunes, Amazon. It's called Working Class Zero. Um, that was tape the governors. Uh, just Facebook, you know. I update everything on my Facebook page. I got a classic page that shows my classic videos. Mm -hmm. But the, 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 the website is where, you know, I got merch, I got coffee, I got coffee mugs, I got t-shirts that say I got a guy, I got uh, net. D-I-B-I-T-E-T-T-O, net. And I know you didn't mention, but I got to mention it, your YouTube page, because you could actually get lost for days oh, on your yeah. YouTube page having fun. Let me show you something. Yeah. All right. And while he's doing that, I also got to tell you guys this. He has over 364,000 followers, and you need to be one of them. I got this from YouTube. Um, I first, they send you a, a plaque with a golden uh, YouTube arrow, and it says, Big D. Potato, congratulations for surpassing 100,000 subscribers. It's up to, it's double that now. See, that's the thing. There's YouTube, there's Facebook, there's Instagram, and uh, Twitter. Now, you put all of them together with all my videos. Me and my manager, we couldn't figure out. It, I have hundreds of millions of views. Yeah. All social media platforms put together. On one, pa on one Facebook page alone, it's called Car Throttle. I, it's all about cars. I did a, a thing about how I don't how I park far away in the parking lot because I don't want to be there because they bump your car. Then when you come out, there's a guy that parks right next to you. He's got the whole fucking parking lot. <laughs> That's got 36 million views alone just on that one page. So, the so look, without the social media, I wouldn't have the following that I have now. And it's, it's a, it's a double-edged sword because when I'm watching now, like, like humanity does to every good thing, we fuck it up. The social media... Everything's an argument now. You could type in, I'm going to adopt a kitten. What's the matter with dogs? You don't like dogs? Yeah. I'm going to buy a kitten. Fuck you. Hillary sucks. Trump's an asshole. What the fuck? You just want to adopt a kitten. Holy shit. It's a madhouse out there. <laughs> yeah. But when it's not a madhouse again in six months or a year, we're definitely going to be back out and doing stand-up. And Vic, I can't wait to share a stage with you again. You know, yes, Jim. Yes, I gotta talk to Russell. You gotta work with me soon when this is all over. We haven't done a gig yet in 2020. The last one we did was last year at Gotham. I did a spot on one of your shows, but that uh, was the last gig that was right before the whole lockdown started at Gotham. It was half the crowd. It was so sad. I never saw New York like that. Yeah, but hopefully, I'll, I'll be back. Chris Mazzilli came in the green room and he says, Dude, you know, this, this. Low attendance is because of you. You know that. I said, "Yeah, I know. I understand." But it was, 
Yeah. It's got to turn around. It, it can't. It's, it, there's only one way, and that is up. Yeah. And uh, here's the, the thing I know about you and the thing that people need to be aware of you. Even if it doesn't come back, you're going to find a way to do something, do something artistic, and then keep your voice heard, which is important, Vic. Absolutely. Keep going. Keep going I'll, after I'll, I'll get in the plane and, and skywrite my fucking eyes. <laughs> Are you kidding? I'm that close to taking one of those uh, drive-in comedy gigs that people That looks interesting. Did you do one? No, but they're doing it down in Florida now. They're doing them in New York and New Jersey, too. I just got offered yeah. one in Astoria, and I'm there like, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. We've got no choice right now. we got no choice. <laughs> yeah, we're all jokes in for that live audience. And we'll yeah, get there's it. nothing like it. Yeah. Yeah, the videos are nice, but the live audience is, is kind of where we get our... Uh, yep. That's where we, we get our... That's our drug. That's our drug yep. as we get older. There's nothing like it. You know, the, the bullshit of the business all goes away once you're on that stage and you get that first laugh. It's like once the needle is hooked, it's like, oh, man, there's nothing like <laughs> it. You know? Yeah. Vic, thank you so much for taking the time out. Hopefully you'll come back and do another one uh, in the studio when we're doing it face-to-face. -face. Yeah, let all this nonsense go away. I'll be more than – Jim, it's a pleasure. Absolutely. I'd all love to. All right, Vic, I'll talk to you soon. Now, what do I that was fun. It's it's really great when I get to catch up with people who I genuinely love hanging out with um, and who have something to share with you guys. What I most take from Vic, uh, besides all the hard work, besides the perseverance over the years, is that 26 seconds changed his entire career. 26 seconds, an idea popped into his head and he went with it and it changed his entire life. And that's what stand-up is. It's very unexpected. You don't know when or what will break. Comedy is a very fickle art form, and you just got to keep trying. You just got to keep doing. And eventually, hopefully, we'll all have our bread and milk moment. Uh, I'm glad that Vic has his. We will be back next week with another episode. Until then, just uh, scroll the archives, find the people you haven't listened to yet, Give those guys a listen. We are available if you want to take the podcast with you on iTunes. You can download us and carry us wherever you want. But uh, we will be back next week with another great comic. More people to learn from. And enjoy your night. I'm Jim Andrinos. This is the Comedy Legacy Series. Bye-bye, everybody. This has been a new media comedy worldwide production.